Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi everyone, we are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL, that's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L, and Believe.com. This week, we discuss the off-season moves in the Overwatch League, as well as bring on a special guest. Uh, hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to our 11th episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Um, ironically, much like last week, we have a weird um, happenstance thing. Our 11th episode we're recording on November 11th, 11-11. Also, happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans. Hats off to you. Thank you for your service. Um, yeah, so this week we have a special guest with us. Special guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Victor V Flight Pilticon. Just call me V or V Flight. So yeah, how how has your guys' weeks been? Eh. It, it's going. It's nothing too interesting at the moment. What about you, Kevin? Uh, let me let me check back here real quick. What did I do this week? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this week I shot a uh, mayor's report episode for my other job at at a airport it was pretty cool it was like at one of those small like local airports we had like the three local mayors and then like two planes and we were in a hangar and we just shot on location it was uh kind of annoying to be out there at seven in the morning ew um but it ended at like one we got it we got it done quick and then lunch was on the boss so it was worth it so oh nice okay free food always makes it worth it yeah Um, Talking about this past weekend. Oh man, I got stories. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I do a lot of uh, esports broadcasting remotely. That's how most people usually start their career in esports if they can. I was doing the Overwatch Open Division practice season, Europe and North America. So this past Saturday, I I didn't really sleep that much. As a matter of fact, I think I. S- I stayed up for a total of 24 hours straight, maybe even more, because I worked the EU podcast, the Europe, uh, not podcast, the EU uh, Open Division, the Europe Open Division, and my call time was 3 a.m. PST, and the matches, it was two matches, they usually take like less than two hours, no, these two matches, they went on for so long that I broadcasted a seven-hour stream, and then I had to do my... uh, Apex Legends broadcast two hours right after that, North America for another three hours. Oof. And then the day right after, I do North America Open Division for Overwatch. And that lasted five hours. No sleep for the wicked. But you know what? Gotta do what I gotta do. You gotta hustle when you can. How's your weekend oh. or a week? Yeah, Matt. How's, how's going? Um, I had, I had a generally uneventful week i guess as far as my life goes my life is always like very very busy um so uneventful is relative for me um currently this week is going to be 
um, tech week or hell week for the play I'm in. I mean, I have, I have two scenes at the very beginning, but God damn it. They are good scenes and they are gold. But so like most of my time is just, I show up, I do my two scenes and I just wait around until they tell me I can leave. Um, this is really bad, but I actually haven't seen the end of the play yet. I haven't read the end of the play. So I'm going to find out what happens as the audience is finding out what happens. Um, uh, there was also like a mini comic book convention in Santa Clarita. It was the uh, the Valley Comic Book Convention. It's normally held, um, I think, in Granada Hills, but they held it in Valencia this time. A problem with me is I like comic books a little bit too much. Like it, it's sadly true. And this looks like how it's going with my financials right now. But I'd probably go broke sooner than stop buying comic books. Um, but I've always wanted to get a CGC graded comic book and I was there and I found a 9.8 graded, uh, comic of detective comics, 880. And this is from the, uh, the black mirror run. If anybody knows comic books, but it's like this really eerie picture of like the Joker's face. And it's just so cool. Like foil cover and everything. And the colorist is coming to my, uh, comic book shop in December. So I'm going to get it signed too. So that's super exciting. I think the only other thing is I had a, I had a date originally scheduled tomorrow, but she canceled because she said that she had um, family issues. And like on one hand, uh, I was telling Kevin, it, it's kind of messed up. But on one hand, I hope that she actually is having family issues and not just blowing me off. But on the other hand, that's super messed up because like you'd not want someone to have family issues. <laughs> like, so it's it's a weird kind of paradox for me to feel right now but on the bright side i don't have to wake up early tomorrow so i can sleep in and just be lazy seems like a good trade to me (laughs) (laughs) the story of our generation like not wanting to go anywhere not wanting to leave it costs money to go outside it does it costs money to breathe man exactly oxygen isn't free it's like that um that spongebob episode where he charges them for breathing uh okay how should we do this should we should we just grill v for a little bit (laughs) yeah let's do it let's do some v grilling okay Uh, i'll intro all right so once again our guest is victor v flight potican he is one of my old teammates from the academy of art he was uh was the dps his now fiance was our support and I was a tank. So whenever we we would queue up together, we'd actually balance out the team. That's cool. He's an Overwatch observer for Square One contenders as well as Open Division and other contenders, just events in general. Uh, he's the coach of RU Esports Onyx, or was at least. Um, so he has coaching experience. And then he's also a reluctant co-caster uh, whenever we don't have a co-caster for me. So... He's joined me on the desk, and he's very insightful. He knows exactly what he wants to talk about, and yeah. Reluctant co-caster? Why the reluctance? So, all right. Uh, it's not now fiancé, now wife. Thank you for mentioning Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I am currently the observer for Square One uh, North American Contenders team. Uh I don't plan on staying as a volleyball that much anymore because I want to go into more focus more into broadcasting. You know, I have some nice juice about the Overwatch, uh, uh, at least Valiant stuff, but I'm not supposed to say anything about that. But I got leaks, and I'm not going to say it. I'm going to tease you about it that I know. And 
reluctant is because I want to do observing, or at least broad, esports broadcasting behind the scenes. I want to be the be the guy in the shadows, working the working the show behind the scenes. Rarely do I ever want to go up in front of the camera and be a host, be a cast or anything. I can do it. I'm not the best. I can do it, but I don't want to do it unless I absolutely have to. Not everyone wants to be in front of the camera. Um, yeah. So yeah, V. So like, what what's your basic life story? Who are you, and how did you come to be the V that you are today? All right. So it all started way back <laughs> 23 years ago in Nashville, Tennessee. Not like this. <laughs> But yes, I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. Came to the Bay Area for college where I met Kevin here, Kanashi. He used to be a KJH, KJHT33 Kajit. 33, sorry. <laughs> but uh, I was that nerdy Asian kid growing up, and I didn't really get to go as much as most people would want to in their childhood days. So I stayed home almost all day playing games, doing my homework. You know, stereotypical Asian kid stuff. And then I go to college for uh, with a focus in doing video games. I liked Overwatch when they first announced it. I tried it. I tried the beta. And then I just eventually started playing and loving the game at first button press, if you will. Once a one-trick Genji main will always, always be a one-trick Genji main at this point. But anyways, uh, yeah, I've just been playing games my whole life. And I after a year of playing Overwatch, I decided to join the school team where I met Kanashi here. And then it just like, not as, actually yeah, exponentially escalated as the years went by. I went from the DPS player of our junior varsity team, and then I went to be the flex player or the off tank of the varsity team. And then I just found myself with my veteran status and experience coaching and managing the teams and at some point somewhere in there i met this six feet guy kind of bald man that had this nickname that reminds me of food because it is food mushu beef he he brought me into overwatch broadcasting yeah and if anything we both can credit our collegiate careers in broadcasting esports to mushu beef and the yeah. whole broadcast GG family, like those guys really did help us out, helped us hone our craft and figure out exactly where we want to go with it. Um, it wasn't always necessarily just Overwatch either. Like he yeah. helped us with pretty much any game and then also teaching me how to how to become like a caster and things to look out for and how to say things and not sound like an idiot. Just very small things that really did help out and help me pursue our career in collegiate overwatch as it is right now three casters from broadcast.gg have gotten into two of them have gotten into north american contenders and one of them just recently uh casted the overwatch world cup her name's lemon kiwi mm-hmm. and then there's tons of observers and broadcast talent that are behind the scenes that are in the overwatch league now like moirai yeah tons of talent from broadcast.gg when gotten their actual esports career and uh what else uh coaching and playing uh playing i'm not the best player i i am most definitely not the best player many of the players in are you on it outrank me just by looking at our ranks you can see they outrank me i just recently made diamond and tank by myself before then i had to get carried but now i can kind of do it by myself 
everyone else is like masters and higher. For me as a coach, even though I don't have the skills as they do, I do have a third person and hands-on knowledge of how the pros do it. Uh, thank you, Squirt One, for letting me be your VARCOR and learn things while watching and recording them. I also have to give credit once again to Teon. I'm just like giving shout outs. It's like my <laughs> whole job right now. You're but, just a hype man. But really, I'm just a hype man. Um, but Teon was actually one of the very first players who got the Overwatch scene started at our school. And he was the one who actually brought the first team together. So uh, that's the reason why I got to meet Victor and, you know, Kumo and everybody else who ends up becoming big at, at our school at least it was all thanks to Teon, who was an ex-pro he played on hammers esports uh hollywood hammers um and then he brought his experience over to the school and because of that we really just grew the esports scene from there and so you know once again shout out to shout out to tay wherever he is so v like outside uh, of of overwatch what are some of your your gaming favorites, like your favorite styles of games or like games that like really impacted you and stick with you? Well, I do like uh, shooter games. So there's this tiny little MMO that you probably heard of. It's not that big. It's called Warframe. Oh, Warframe. I know that one. I've played it since the beta. It's been out for six years. I'm not playing it as much as I used to because I did get burned out on it, but it's still a fun game to play once in a while. I do like other games like uh, some action adventure style assassin's creed is definitely one of my number one games uh, uh, franchises get to explore history and relive it in awesome uh john wick kind of assassin style way like yeah so what do you look for when you're getting into a new game something that's i can actually see myself playing for a long time like currently or, or at least have a good time playing it currently i'm playing luigi's mansion 3 and I'm just having a blast on it. Except for that one water level, but water levels are traditionally known to be a pain in someone's behind. Everyone hates the water levels. Like, <laughs> oh my god, so much time spent in those Mario and Zelda levels. Oh, I, I have like my worst water level memories, I think for me, were Twilight Princess. Oh boy, if you play Luigi's Mansion 3 right now, you're going to get to basement level 2. You're just going to have a hard time. It's not even easy walking around that place. Floating, oh man! I mean, I was planning on getting that game, so <laughs> I will. I will keep that in mind for when I play. Um, so what was it originally that it attracted you to Overwatch, and what was it about the game that has kept you playing for so long? Genji. It was Genji himself. I saw a a video displaying showcasing his abilities. Uh, how. When I was like in high school, I was the only Asian in my school, or at least in my class, and I got the nickname Ninja because I like to I break dance and I do a lot of climbing. Is what you basically call a weeb at that point. But anyways, I really like the whole ninja crap. I even got the nickname Ninja in high school, and seeing Genji, and I'm like, oh, that I, that's my calling. I, I gotta play this game. I gotta play this guy. Free beta easy i play it i fell in love with it i'm sad that some of his abilities in the beta didn't carry over into the main game like his dash would do a bleeding effect that was pretty cool but it was overpowered so i understand 
and then the whole Dragon Blade thing, the dra- the Dragon Cinematic with his brother, it's like, oh, that may be staying in the game for at least a whole another year. And then what kept me going was the competitive side and the broadcasting side. Everybody starts for the the weeb stuff <laughs> and the waifu material, um, and then they stay for the actual gameplay. Like that's yeah. literally how how two of the uh, Onyx players end up picking their games. Right? <laughs> we know right off the bat which do. This game was such waifu bait. So yeah, like initially, but yeah, the you whole have, tracer's like, booty thing at the waifu. very beginning where they had to like nerf her booty <laughs> and then like i don't know if y'all remember this but whenever widow used to pop her alt her butt would just would literally grow you could you could watch the, the butt grow out and then shrink back yeah I, I remember that i even know like how to fit it and make it again <laughs> but that's a whole that's a whole gaming uh game dev side i i don't want to get into but yeah it's it's the initial reaction of just having like you know oh that character's cute i can i can be that character for a little bit and then uh, everybody just kind of gravitated to it. And then I decided to be the biggest, most obnoxious German dude in the game. <laughs> like, you could have you could have been any of these waifus and you picked the, the old German powerhouse. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, it, it just grew on yeah. us, really. Um, See, I came in for blinky British you, waifu bait, but then I ended up being just explodey rocket queen. <laughs> it happened. I came in for... I came in for the weeb stick, stayed for the weeb stick, ended up playing base, end up being basically anyone that you need. Oh, you need a shield? I got you. You need someone to heal you? I got you. You need someone to click on heads? I kind of <laughs> got you. Ask someone else. Yes, I have, ever since joining the school team, I have eventually became a flat scot within the high plat low diamond rank that's the one thing i don't like about um roll queue is that i can't flex play like i liked being able to swap onto whatever we needed but now they've nerfed us sad thing yeah so so v um (laughs) kevin and i talked about this last week but from that opening cinematic with overwatch 2 we just discovered that genji's just been running around naked for the past three years what do you think about that? And like, what do you think about his new cosmetic with the the hoodie and the pants? His prototype version is black, uh, black watch version. He was, I think he doesn't really have a body, a actual human body, so it kind of makes sense for him because he's not really naked in his mind. But you know, whatever works. But at the same time, the uh, I think the story director Michael Chu, I think that's his title. Uh, Michael Chu has confirmed Genji still has that thing between his legs. Huh. It has been confirmed. People have been asking so much just to confirm, and he's like, you know, I'll just let them have it. So, uh, <laughs> oh my. at least, so he's still Genji's still clothed in his mind because he's covering that thing, and he, yeah, him having a hoodie and sweatpants, uh, that's pretty cool to be honest. I was saying that he got the, yeah, I was saying that he got the hoodie because he was too metallic. If you're just trying to hide. It's just reflecting the sun off of everything, reflecting moonlight. Like, so like that's why he decided to put. Yeah, exactly. He had to put on like a coat so that it stops glaring all over the place. It's like but when the you, coat is has glowing LEDs on it. it that's for aesthetic. 
He could turn those <laughs> off, right? Like it's not it's the RGB, man. He could <laughs> change it according to wherever he's lurking. Yeah, you saw in the Dragon Cinematic a few years ago. He could, uh, he can turn off his lights anytime he wants to hide in shadows. I'm really hyped for Overwatch 2 for the one and only reason, Genji. Yep, that cinematic got me back going. That reveal in the cinematic, though, was so good. Not a single line needed. He just shows up and deflects, and that's it. That's all he needed. But also, like, if he can cut through the Omnic's hand, why didn't he just, like, cut its legs off or, like, cut its head off or something? Because he got, he has to build his ult charge first. <laughs> He's got to knock down a few more robots before he can pull it out, or else the dragon's not going to let him. So, what what are your speaking of Overwatch two? Like, what are you hoping comes out of the game? Like, what what do you what what are your your ideal hopes and dreams that we're gonna get with Overwatch two when it comes out? My ideal version of the game is to give me almost all of the lore that we've been lacking these past three four years, especially of Zenyatta. Zenyatta has been that cool monk robot and we have no idea about his backstory except for the few lines he has on the map in Nepal and with Genji. I want more I I am expecting a lot of lore from Overwatch 2 and I'm also expecting a lot more balancing like they just reset the whole game uh, player versus player wise PvP wise just make, make it a lot more balanced than it currently is right now because current game it's kind of everywhere yeah i had this discussion on twitter recently with zerocious when he posted how people were complaining about the meta and how like of course everybody hated dive when it was out and then they changed dive they nerfed it and then we got goats right uh Mm -hmm. and then now we hate it was nerfed and then now we hate goats and now we have double shield um we were saying that in terms of Overwatch 2, what I personally wish to happen is that every meta or every single style of gameplay is viable enough where they can counter each other and people know that's a thing. But realistically, it would be cooler to see if each map had a specific meta. Like we used to have, for example, on Hollywood, you know, we would just go Winston Diva, Genji Tracer, and then Zen Lucio, right? Like back when that was actually viable. Um, yeah. Don't try this at home, kids. Uh, we it's not viable anymore. Yeah, it's not viable anymore. We would be able to just run that and know that that would work on that map on this point. And I'm totally down with that. If each point had a separate meta, like being like forcing teams to swap around, um, which it does um, on certain maps. Usually, like uh, hybrid maps have that, but. To have that on every map, I think, would be really cool to see. It was like that in like the first few competitive seasons, even before uh, competitive Overwatch. I still remember from the old, from the stories of the old times from the old man Taeyeon. He would tell me some stuff like each map would be a different meta. I liked that. That that seemed pretty cool. It kept things, it kept people on their toes every time someone chooses a map. And now it's just like, okay, we're going to run this comp on every map. No question about it. We just rotate differently. Unless you're Team USA on Nepal Village. <laughs> then oh, you can kind of get away and run Genji and Reinhardt for no reason. 
and Symmetra. And the Symmetra teleport into the corner. As Kevin um, called it, the nastiest cheese he's ever seen. Yeah, it was it was, was pretty there. gross. I was there when he saw it. <laughs> Me and him were in the same, same room watching. He's like, it's nasty. <laughs> I guess as a, as a caster, um, what, what are some things that you've learned? And like, I guess not just as a caster, it's like, as a as a coach, as a caster, as um, an observer, what what are some things about I guess esports and gaming that you've learned? It can be fun. It it can be fun if you make it fun. You don't always have to be like super stressed trying to get things done on time. Doing lands uh, on site tournaments can be very stressful, especially if things go wrong hardware hardware wise or teams just like quit out of nowhere and have no idea what to do it can it can get tough but it can also be fun because the people that you meet the yeah basically people you meet the community you grow into you just find like a different kind of family to put it simply and that was another question that i had written down here it's like could you explain the connections and some of the I would say major benefits of trying to work in esports. Uh, most people start off with random pickup jobs, random jobs that are like low tier, not not going to get you anywhere. But it's where you, you know where you get your start. That's how most people get to start in most general areas. Uh, you make connections as the people behind the scenes. You have to. Everyone's communicating. Everyone has to communicate with each other to make sure that things go well, things start on time. On day of the broadcast, day of any tournament that you're working, you're constantly talking to each other. You're making those connections, whether it be like professionally-wise or just like casual, because there's a lot of downtime. You have to create a lot of downtime to give everyone a rest. And during those downtimes, you can talk, communicate, you make some new friends, like a I have some pretty good friends in the Overwatch community or in the esports community, like Beatdown Boulevard, Kenobi, um, Bemi. Everyone loves Bemi. And then we know that the community always comes together when it comes to creating events like um, the Halloween event that I've been talking about on this podcast, at least for throughout October. That was hosted at the Academy of Art, too. And just being able to see, like, it was something I announced a week before. I actually like put out the posters and stuff like that like a week out and we still had three teams show up like 18 19 people showed up to the to the tournament right and uh we actually we had a solid production once we got over the technical difficulty so um hopefully we could bring it back and uh make them a lot harder than they were (laughs) and just so you know 19 people is on our only the players we had bunch more people coming in just to watch just to experience the craziness the kazoos <laughs> oh my god you know Everyone we're gonna to... bring it back you uh, gotta run again. it back not again oh yeah for sure we won't say when but y- you know so i actually want to bring this up what do you guys have you guys heard about the new mercy story that came oh, yep. out today yep it, it's on our yep. list of notes earlier today we had the release of the mercy short story short written story called valkyrie which goes over Mercy's kind of like where was Mercy throughout the recall stuff. That's pretty much answers that question. Like we've had 
we had the answer of like where was soldier and anna during that time they were hunting down reaper um we had the dragons short which told us what genji was up to like meeting his brother again um we had a whole bunch of just other stories that were going on um but now we know where mercy was the entire time and that's what we're about to hop into we find out that mercy has been kind of undercover in in egypt she's been hanging out over there saving people as dr ziegler she's not going by mercy or that whole uh overwatch not tying herself back to overwatch at all she's just trying to help people in need um but we do get an explanation of who that girl was that mercy saved in the initial trailer the heroes trailer the heroes trailer i think it's the one where when you open up overwatch for the first time it plays like automatically oh yeah this is winston (laughs) obviously yeah that that one (laughs) yes um, but it does go over like who that girl was that Mercy saved from the from the fallen building. Um, so if you really w- want to dive into that, you can have a look at the story. It's really not that hard. It's not that hard of a read, and honestly, it's very uh, very informative. Two characters also pop in uh, into the story, not mentioned, but actually are part of the story. You should know them by the names of Anna and Soldier Seventy Six. Yeah, I don't know who those guys are. <laughs> See, my my Probably thing that I'm I'm disappointed about is we've had two stories in Egypt now, and Farah never makes an appearance. And like by now, like y'all listening know that Farah is my main. Um, she's my waifu, but like they mention her in the Bastet story, we don't even hear about her at all in this one. Like. They mention Helix. They mention the Reptora uh, core that I guess they have. And like, they never mention her, which I'm, I'm really sad because I was hoping for a confirmation of Pharmacy. That's like my favorite. <laughs> Besides Ryan and Anna, which we know didn't happen. Pharmacy was like my favorite ship. I, I think another thing that would have been really cool is like if they did tie that into the story. You see, like, Far realize that Anna is still alive. You have that whole dynamic. Then you also have the dynamic of, you know, pharmacy actually working and, like, being able to help him out. Um, but you would have that whole family dynamic of, like, not knowing what's happening here and all that stuff. It would have been really dramatic and it would have been really big for the story. But uh, it would also make the story a lot longer if you think about it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind sitting through that. Like you could, you could have made the whole like Mercy saving that little girl like half as long, and then just had like the whole reveal with like Farah and Anna. That would have been like we're oof. already in Egypt. Like all you have to do is just say, "Oh, look, Farah pops up." True. Yeah, we just like oh, we see Farah on the backline, but they can't interact with her because that's giving away the whole trying to be vigilantes thing. That that could work, but. It's a mercy story, right. not a far story. We'll get a far story soon. It's we like we'll get, comic, that, like we'll get that Zenyatta lore. <laughs> I want a far uh, cinematic. I think that'd be really cool. Like you could do so much with that. Coming over, hopefully. They hope also so. in this story mention Sojourn way too often. Like it confirms that she's Canadian. So that's that's a little bit of lore. Uh, we're getting Toronto, so yay. 
go Canada. You you can you can get a win now. Yeah, they're, they're like slapping us in the face that Sojourn's coming. It's like like we could have done with one reference. Like okay, so she's like officially part of the canon that you're giving us now. But it's like every chance that they get, they mention Sojourn. It's like hey, look, Sojourn's here. Hey, there's Sojourn. There's this character named Sojourn. Do you know that we're having a character named Sojourn? It's like stop. We get it. Like minimalism <laughs> uh, I- sometimes is the best approach. Whoever I can't I don't want to look up who wrote the story right now, but like did not understand this concept of minimalism. Or or they are trying to hint out that Soldier is actually like one of the higher up in the hierarchy in Overwatch, like almost uh Soldier seventy six kind of like level of command but not as high. That or they just realized that we went three whole years without mentioning this character at all until uprising um so they're just like you know what we gotta we gotta make up for it let's just slap her name every other every other word is sojourn now uh hey what are you soldiering gonna do about this soldier huh soldier yeah, there you go <laughs> let them let them uh speculate what hero uh 32 is we'll see what i think because they mention a bunch of the other characters like they they mentioned that they mention Winston doing his thing. They mention Ryan. They mention Genji going to go see where Hanzo is, whatever he's doing. They mention that Torbjorn like actually retired and is like not doing anything really vigilante related. Although we do get to see what he's doing in his comic with Bastion. But like, so my theory, what they're doing with this is that they're like setting up the story missions for Overwatch 2. What I think is going to happen, it's, it's going to be like, um, kind of like a Lord of the Rings kind of thing where you have one story with like the main party, which is going to be Winston and crew going after Null Sector. And then you're going to have like the side story where um, Soldier and Honor are like your Frodo and Sam and they're going after taking down Talon. So that's my prediction for now. We'll see what actually happens. But I think that'd be a cool way to to handle the story and like also have it be world spanning as they want it to be. God, Soldier and Anna, Frodo and Sam. Oh my God. So, what do you guys think of the the new skin that we would potentially be getting? Which we're okay. We're pretty much definitely going to get this skin at this point. But what do y'all think of it? Every time they do a short story like this, we always get a skin. So that's it's always nice and good to look forward to. It's, they're really adding on that casual outfit line that they're getting. Like first we get casual Hanzo, and we're probably going to get that new Genji outfits in Overwatch 2. Actually, we are going to get that. And then we have... Do we have any more casual outfits? Because I think they're starting to make more because this Mercy outfit is... Uh, oh, we have Academy Diva too. I don't know if that really counts. We do have that one or two Torb skins from the Uprising event a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Would you count the uh, Doomfist in the Tux one a casual skin? That's like the opposite of casual. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, business casual. <laughs> I can't really imagine Doomfist in, like, actually, I can, like, in, like, a gym workout, like, just a like in a boxer workout outfit. Yeah, he's just got, I can see him in a boxing, like, just a tank top and shorts. Oh, wait, no, that's, no, like, oh, just getting off the couch, Doomfist. <laughs> <laughs> he's a rocket fist into the fridge, Doomfist, <laughs> you know. It's a casual Doomfist that we're looking for. Yeah, it, we're most definitely going to get that skin. We're probably going to get it tomorrow, which is, what, November 12th? November yeah. 12th. Yeah, that's most 
that's regular game dev update days. It's always Tuesdays or Thursdays. Cool. So shall we move on? Yeah. Sure. No, no Mercy no, with no, glasses no. is hot. No denial there. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Someone yep. had to say it. I'm glad it's not me. Mama Mercy. No, you can't ban it. <laughs> can't ban that stuff in Japan, man. Uh, we, we won't. We won't get into that. But uh, that's a whole another can of worms that we could get right into. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Mercy with glasses is like a ten out of ten. Yeah. Casual with glasses still keeps the wings and the staff. Yep, a lot. A lot of people are gonna like it. Anyways, let's move on before <sighs> it gets any worse. This game is just waifu bait. Anyways, speaking of waifu like bait, um, Zoe, our wonderful analyst for the Overwatch League, got engaged. So hooray! Congrats to her and her fiance. Um, yay! Uh, so yay. Our, my next piece of it's news hot. that I found over. <laughs> this week was Overwatch and Forever Twenty One now have an apparel line. Um, if you you can just type in Overwatch X Forever Twenty One on Google and it'll pop up and like some of it okay, but in general it's kind of ugly. Like I won't even say it's okay. It's borderline like you copy and paste an image on a piece of clothing, you're done. It literally looks like some of them like 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 you're saying, V. It looks like you you took a screenshot and like copy and pasted it onto like a word doc and like didn't even align them <laughs> like this this i play to win one if you look at it the i play to win one is exactly what i'm talking about it's literally just like screenshot diva highlight intros <laughs> it's not it's not good guys so v flight knows the joke that i'm about to pull out i did slap it in my own discord but um it's true that Forever Twenty One has had a couple of a uh, couple of coincidences, in my opinion. So Forever Twenty One had a Pokemon line before. They tried an anime line with the Naruto thing. They've tried Overwatch, like an Overwatch only line. Um, but Uniqlo did it first, and they did it better. So <laughs> it's doing it so much better. Uniqlo did it so much better. Like, if anything, the Genji socks look nice, and that's about it. That's probably, like, the only redeeming factor that they got from here. But, honestly, like, Uniqlo had a lot more... They had varied designs. They were they worked with Blizzard to kind of come up with things that aren't just copy and paste. And it's also minimalistic in a way. Um, that is subtle enough where people who play the game will understand where it's from, but it's also casual enough where you could wear it outside and people will be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. You gotta like, unless you're wearing a hamster t-shirt that just says bam, bam, bam over it. Like (laughs) that's kind of in your face, but you can't say no to a Hammond shirt like that. I guess I'm looking at these outfits. They look so bad. Like, I can make better and I'm not even a graphic designer. If you want some really cool merch, like Jinx has some really, really cool hoodies that um, they came out. They came out with a Letterman hoodie. They have like character hoodies. I looked at the website right now. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to get this. Hopefully I can get this episode out in time edited. But like if you go online now and you buy one of their hoodies, it's buy one, get one free. Uh, November 12th and 13th Pacific time. Like. But it's only good. They're officially it's only good for their Hanzo, Symmetra, McCree, 
Zenyatta and Torbjorn hoodies. But like, if you like any of those characters, like, buy one get one free, guys. I'm high-key wishing that they had the Doomfist and the Farah ones because I'd keep the Farah one and I'd give my brother the Doomfist one. But sadly, we can't have everything we want. But like, I'm looking at this Hanzo one. It looks really cool. So check them out. All right. So moving on, um, I've through all of my Facebook scrolling, I don't know if you guys were able to look at this video that link that I put up, but there's this workshop mode where it's kind of like, it's really weird. It allows uh, five of the characters on your team to jump into the body of one of the characters. And then one player controls like where you all move. And then all the other characters can use their abilities from this, like the body of this one character. So like, if you watch the video, it's from Ari Kadu, A-R-I-K-A-D-O-U. Um, the the video is called this game mode lets six players control one character so like everybody jumps into the Rhine and like from inside the Rhine the diva is just boosting around the map the Zarya is throwing up bubbles it's it's really cool what blasphemy monstrosities workshop mode am I looking at right now yeah it was pretty cool honestly to just actually never mind it wasn't cool just imagine rolling goats (laughs) all into one character like that thing is unkillable um That is exactly what they did in the first one. And I actually have like the game mode saved. I have that. Um, I have the code already ready. So V expect to use this for Ooh. the, uh, for the oh, next no. one. We're going to, oh, we're going we're gonna to make fun. this one of them. Oh, oh no. So for any of you who want to try it, the code is E three T Y W for the, the workshop game. Um, yeah. I just, I just wanted to highlight that. Cause I thought I saw this this week and I thought it was like, Holy crap. It's really cool. Uh, so have you have you tried it? Yeah, I've played one. I played one um one match before. It was pretty interesting because like there are people who are just like, yeah, what if, what if we just go bunker? Like just have the Bastion inside of the the Sigma and the Orisa and just do that. Um but we all saw how well, if you watch the video later, like if you have five people in one and then you just have a Sombra like just go and do their own thing. Um, you can kind of stealth around or you can use Sombra's... Everybody hops into Sombra first and then you just use stealth and then you uncloak, then you hop out and then you restack yourselves. It's it's kind of funny. Um, but you could also get around a lot of abilities with hack. Especially if they're all rolled into one character, it hacks everyone. There's so much synergy available here. Just to be clear, just feel, am I actually looking goats and body inside of Reinhardt? Yes. Yep. It oh is... It is the Reinhardt's body with bubbles, Diva Booster and Matrix, Brig, uh, the the Ana. I think they had an Ana instead of the Zen, or did they have yeah. Zen? It was an Ana. Yeah, it was an Ana. So like, imagine just getting slept, then charged, and then out of nowhere, oh. just like a Diva bomb drops right on top of you. you just, it's pretty, it's pretty wacky, honestly, but it's pretty fun. All right, so on to the our next topic, um, Ninja. Blevins, I don't remember what his first name is, and I don't feel like looking it up. But the the one the streamer that everybody knows, Ninja from Fortnite, um, thinks that streamers who get caught cheating should deserve special treatment just because they're streamers. Uh, this is in response to um, a Fortnite player. His name was um, Phase Jarvis Cotry. Uh, he got a permanent ban from Fortnite because oh, yeah. um, he was caught using aimbot cheats. And like, 
I think from what I've read that he wasn't using it on his like professional account. He was using it on a on a side stream account just to use it. Um, but according to oh, that's his name, Tyler, Tyler Ninja Blevins. Um, he said like this is like a stupid thing. He was a kid. Like you shouldn't ban him. Uh, you shouldn't ban him because he's a streamer and he's bringing more attention to your game. Like I don't care if you ban like normal players, but like the long and short of it is that like um, streamers bring you like more attention. So give them leniency is his thing. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? All right, I don't care if you're a streamer or not. Uh, so, yes, the streamer thing does bring attention to your game, but considering it's Fortnite, everyone in the world knows about Fortnite. You don't need a streamer. You Losing one streamer won't really hurt the publicity so much. Yes, he's a kid. Should you give him leniency? Uh, I'd say a ban... And they ban him the for life. I think that's a little too harsh. Maybe give him three years. I see people see like uh, say six months, but I like that's too much leniency in my opinion. Three years, three years is all he needs. Uh, he's already made an apology. He un- he understood what was going to happen. Uh, he didn't expect the ban for life, but no one did. Um, to give a streamer more leniency is like privilege if you're to give someone privilege because they are a certain thing that seems quite unfair to others so saying like to ban a random person for life for using aimbots okay yeah that makes sense that makes sense because you know it's against the policies you've when you made your account you should have read the policies cheating does grant if you're caught cheating with any sort of aimbot or anything like that you are most likely gonna get banned for life or punished somehow severely. I totally agree with them putting down kind of a discipline or like, you know, a consequence for using a cheat. We saw this happen firsthand in Overwatch, actually. Uh, if you want to go back to Defran when he was first doing the whole uh, Torb only, let me watch Gordon Ramsay videos while in competitive, like Blizzard took that very seriously i think how long did they ban him for it was like a it was like a whole competitive year yeah it was a whole year like he couldn't play in anything he couldn't uh he couldn't sign any contracts and then he was kind of like blackbarred from the overwatch league like season one because of it he made an apology he ended up playing the game a little bit a lot more he brought more attention to the game and he kind of he rebuilt himself kind of in a way um and not antagonizing uh, Blizzard in that way, and then eventually got onto the Atlanta Rain to quote unquote pop off for one season. Um, so yeah, I feel like it was it's something that the company shouldn't just say like because you're popular, you should get a freebie, because then a lot of a lot of streamers could abuse that. I th- a lot of another thing that I saw online was people were commenting like, "Oh, Ninja's only saying this because he knows he might be next." And like, it feels like he's just covering himself at this point. Like in case he ever gets caught doing something wrong, um, don't want to be seen in a previous statement saying, oh, you should ban people. Like if he's caught, you know, not caught, but if he is on the record advocating for leniency for people, then it's okay if he asks for leniency himself. Um, Part of, I think what his defense was is that, 
this is this kid's only real way to make money. And by doing that, you're taking away his ability to make money. But it's like, also think of it in like in any other sense, like if you're in academia and you're caught plagiarizing or like if you're, if you're me and you're a journalist and you get, you get caught plagiarizing your articles and cheating like that to get ahead, you're pretty much done for life. Like no one's ever going to trust you again. Why just because this is video games and your kids, do you get preferential treatment? Like, I, I think we're all in agreement that the defense of it is, is very weak and doesn't really make that much sense. If it's your profession, you got to take it professionally. That and people don't watch streamers for the gameplay, believe it or not, unless you're just like a pro at it. People come to your streams because you are a fun personality and they want to see you like they don't want to see some random kid in a basement playing a game because that's boring. They want the person themselves. So if anything, this ban on him will just cause him to reach out and go for something else. Um, and if his viewers really do like him for what he is, then they'll uh, they'll watch him still. Like XQC. Like XQC. Oh my god, XQC. And That's Siegel. another monster in itself to discuss. So for our next like kind of general uh, esports topic, China has banned kids under 18 from playing past 10 o'clock and from playing over 90 minutes a day. First off, I'm not really sure how they're enforcing this, but also like, wow. That that's pretty big considering how big esports is in China, but also like a very good step forward considering, like if you look at reports of how Asian kids like health is being affected because they're all trying so hard to be the next esports gamer. Kids do want to be Danette's ninja, Danette's pro player, Danette's faker. They want to be that that guy that goes down in history, that kid, that person, that player, whatever you want to identify as. But anyways, um. China is what China's doing right now is like a double edged sword, basically. So it's making sure that kids are actually not trying to avoid their actual education because you do need a good education if you want to like go anywhere, even in esports. Uh, while esports is pretty freaking huge in China, they are kind of doing it pretty well. It's a start, but it's a little too harsh of a start, and it's going to affect the next generation of esports players until they like increase the limit from like 90 minutes a day it's like what two games of league of legends three or four games maybe even two games of overwatch you know like two games of something two competitive matches of something a day and that's not going to be enough training for the next esports player so you just gotta i think china has to find that's balance if they want to keep the esports industry alive if they want to keep it alive if they don't well they're they're, they're girl in the right place right now the lad bible article which is quoting a new york times report which is quoting a kotaku report um the china national press and public publication administration uh, their reasoning behind it is that this is going to tackle issues like video game addiction nearsightedness and poor academic performance across a broad swath of society um so the the band actually doesn't really apply as apply as much to weekends they get three hours on the weekend so a little bit better they get double their time um and also china generates more than 33 billion dollars annually from esports so yeah this is it's gonna be crazy to see 
what the economic implications are of this and if if losing that kind of money to their economy causes them to revert this or are they just going to stay the course yeah i totally agree with what you're saying here in terms of hurting their esports economy wise as well as kind of their position in the esports community um most people consider at least in dota terms like china was the home of dota when it was first released um and if you were to hit especially teenagers who are starting to get into this kind of industry um to limit their playtime and then like like yeah it's cool that they get a little bit extra on the weekends but this is like where champions start you start out playing super late at night and like essentially gr- being on the grind and you know that you're that good once you start like getting people to recognize you and all that stuff and you can't do that over the course of an hour and a half in a day like that's not enough this is gonna affect the youth at least like they said 10 p.m right is the cutoff time um yeah they're gonna find something else to do like they're just gonna play on ps4 and xbox and just play like single player games like things that don't require the internet like it's just gonna dodge the whole uh multiplayer online thing so i feel like that's another thing that they can work on um if you're gonna try to if you're gonna try to take away the whole playing online thing you're gonna have to take away shutting off like the ps4 networks and stuff like that like good luck with that my dear and handheld consoles are gonna yeah nintendo's just gonna get a ton of money pretty soon from china because they're, they're all just gonna go and play handheld stuff and you can't stop the kid under the covers at 11 p.m like we we were all that kid um yeah so yeah they're just gonna find a creative way to get around it whether it's gonna be like hacking or or whatnot like i think in my experience i found that whenever you put a a limit on somebody they're gonna find a creative loophole they're just gonna get a vpn and just go to a different (laughs) different section of the world that's just the way how it's gonna work they're doing that now actually like like you said just going to find a way to get around it and they can't stop it there's gonna be a lot of there's going to be a lot of really good Japanese Overwatch players pretty soon. The Tokyo Drift are going to come into the Overwatch <laughs> League? just saying. What? Yeah, oh my the God. Tokyo I Drift. Wish. Don't Bring take my name. Ten. Yeah, Tayo, AKM, or AKTM, bring them back. Let's go. Okay, speaking of, of, of China again, and like I know last week I said hopefully last week would be our last time talking about Hong Kong. Um, Jeff decided that he would make me eat my words and he went and said that he publicly expressed he wanted that Blitzchung's ban be completely repealed so that I think that's the first time someone really high up in the Blizzard hierarchy has actually made a public statement especially one that is um, expressing expressing displeasure with how the organization as a whole handled it a lot of Blizzard employees heard about it and they didn't like it either from what I'm guessing, what I've seen so far about this is that it happened, and especially it happened with a Hong Kong native who was running the uh, the show, basically, or who was the TO, or who was in control of like player management. They were pressured a lot, and they had to make a split-second decision, and that split-second decision could have been something like, 
someone on the side whispering in their ear, telling them that the, that this has to happen, and they just got pressured into saying it. Jeff making a statement about it is quite amazing, considering of how considering that he's a creative director of one of the major Blizzard games at the moment. They did make it shorter, his band shorter, and they gave him his gave him his prize money back. Same thing with the casters, but what's done has been done. And I don't think they're going to repeal the whole band anymore than it already has been. Hopefully this is the final update. Like hopefully no more no more stuff out of that out of the Hong Kong controversy. Jeff, please don't make me eat my words again. I'm begging you, Papa Jeff. All right, cool. So um next our next topic is uh going on to Overwatch 2 stuff. Um Papa Jeff said that he wants Overwatch 2 to be the model industry for sequels in that how Overwatch 2 is going to be kind of both new stuff and old stuff that doesn't leave anybody behind. Um, we, we know for a fact that the new stuff is going to be mainly all the PVE stuff, which now we know, thanks to Kevin, is player versus environment, not player versus everyone. Um, meanwhile, the classic Overwatch PvP gameplay is going to stay the same across both games and that they're going to merge the two clients together so that nobody gets left behind. Um, according to what Jeff has said in articles, it was really, really hard for him to convince Blizzard to be able to do that. Um, especially when you look at it, like they could have made a lot more money by forcing everybody who wants to continue to play Overwatch to have to buy the new game. But with Jeff's thinking, the way he explained it is that if you keep the... Um, the player base happy if you keep your fans happy and show that you care about them more than just making a couple dollars then in the long run you'll be a more sound and economically viable company um got to applaud jeff for doing that because i mean not everybody can afford to buy games whenever they want um and not, not everybody wants the the pve stuff so uh I do applaud Papa Jeff for that. This is why we chant Jeff's name every time he shows up during Overwatch events. He's a good guy. And what he is trying to do for Overwatch 2 is pretty nice as well. You see a lot of like small companies or smaller games become pretty huge because they want to make it fun for the community, make it assess- easily accessible for the community. It's just an expansion. <laughs> I mean, he calls it a complete sequel. It's it's just an expansion, but it's the right way of doing it. They learned from StarCraft that like not everybody's going to go out and buy another physical copy of a game. So, and technically like whenever a new expansion for StarCraft used to drop, like everybody would just buy the new one and then just learn all the new units and then play the same game. Um because that's how StarCraft works. So, Instead of them having to go out, make CDs and, you know, game cartridges and everything else, uh, they can just say, like, okay, here's the game. We're just calling it two, but we're just updating it. So it just has more stuff in it. And yes, uh, we could get into this later, but like the paywall of getting PVE and all that stuff, I feel like is necessary you know you're considering that people are putting their time and effort into making new content you should be paying them for it it's not like a 
like you already paid for Overwatch one. You do get the same stuff that you get from there, but you should be buying all the new stuff that's going to be added to that. Just think, if we don't pay our devs, then we won't have devs, and then we won't get any more content in the future. No more Overwatch. No more games. It's going to be a bland world without games. We're just going to be having that high turnover rate. Hashtag uh, thanks, Patriot Act. Seriously, if you haven't seen that that. segment, the Hassan Minaj really breaks down all the news that we've been seeing about devs getting really burnt out and then unfair work practices and everything. So if you, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how I particularly have been complaining about how our events are kind of lackluster, especially how we've been getting Lucio Ball every damn year without anything changing. And according to Papa Jeff, it's because they've been focusing so much energy on Overwatch 2 for these past couple of years that even if they they want to do new content, but in order to get it out to us as fast as possible, they've just been kind of saying, screw it, we're not going to do that. We're going to get Overwatch 2 done and out as, as quick as we can. I mean, I, I, at least there's a, a reason for it now. It's not just that they didn't want to or they couldn't think of anything. They're they being lazy. Like They had other work that they decided to prioritize. You see, with most game companies, uh, most companies in general that have like multiple franchises like movie franchises like uh, Pixar they work on multiple movies at the same time they make people work on one project and once they're done doing that they move on to the next project it's not like well yes some companies have dedicated teams to work on uh, certain things like there's a whole Overwatch team dedicated just to work on Overwatch not everyone in the Overwatch team is assigned to just specifically Overwatch in most companies most game dev companies, you might have to be handed off into a different game that might need more, uh, that might need more help for the next update. Each team, each dev team, are, is actually pretty small, and they, and since they're all under the name Blizzard, they're sharing resources, like, aka sharing employees, with each other in different game, in different games, because some some programmers might be needed more here than they might be needed there. Animators are more needed here because new animations are highly needed. Uh, it's smart for a company to do this because they're not hiring new people, which saves them money, but also makes things a little more efficiently if they want to focus into one area more. So not focusing on actual big updates like new seasonal events in Overwatch. Yes, it's sad for the community, but at the same time, from like a company standpoint, I can see why they did it. I'm still not happy with it, but you know what? I see it. I understand. So more, more Overwatch 2 discussion and news. Um, Michael Chu, instead of, instead of Jeff this time, this is more Michael Chu news. Uh, Michael Chu has essentially confirmed that we're get, on top of Sojourn and uh, Echo, we're getting four new characters. I don't know if this is including the three that they've already teased, the, the other ones that they've already teased to us, but from these, uh, this confirmation from Game Informer, um, three of them are female and one of them has a pet. Are we finally going to see Rocket Cat? Yeah, yeah like, I think I, I mean, saw this. We, we got teased with that with Brig and her <laughs> Jetpack cat. Jet cat mug. I think it can happen, but I don't know if it will happen. Then again, we have a giant hamster in a rolling mechanical ball. So, 
We also have a talking monkey from the moon who also has a jetpack. My question becomes then, are they going to just say, this hero's coming, and then just release it in Overwatch 2? Or are we actually going to get them in Overwatch 1 to to play them and then get released in Overwatch 2? Like, that's my question. It's just like, when are we going to get these heroes and are they all moving over to Overwatch 2? I feel like everything we're going to get now is just going to be Overwatch 2. I think that's where they're just like focusing all their energy so that to get it out to us as fast as possible. I don't think that that's the right move per se. I think that they need to still feed us some stuff to keep us interested until that comes. But kind of based on what the strategy has been so far, I think we're just going to have to sit tight and pray they get done very soon. So another thing that Michael Chu teased is that uh, some people noticed that the voice announcer on Toronto is not Athena. It's actually Mandata, which is leaving everybody confused because we all saw Mandata die. So why is he our announcer if he's dead? Like, what what is the story happening now? They just rebuilt him. Just yeah, like, he's an Omnic. We just can rebuild him. Data. So yeah, can, does that mean you can like back up Omnic? So like, Every time Zenyatta dies, is it like a new body Zenyatta that comes out was just his like mind rebooted up to it? Every single time, like a widow will headshot him like during game or like a, ro- a hog will hook him. He just turns into scrap metal and they just re-download him. It's like it's like the uh, uh, if you guys are watching Rick and Morty episode four or season four episode one, you know it, that's exactly what <laughs> happens. It's just that every single time. You you come out from spawn. It's uh, you just get re-uploaded somewhere else. Yeah, it it's possible. They haven't said that Omnits can actually die. I mean, they showed him dying, but they they didn't say that he's pronounced dead forever. But that'd be kind of like messed up too. Like consider like these guys saw you die there. They made a statue for you. You can't just They're- like come back. <laughs> Just be like, I mean, honor did it. Honor and soldier did it. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't get they didn't get like a statue or anything. Like, just imagine, like everybody's like mourning your death, and then they just come back and just be like, my, yeah, I mean, my Jesus. statue's I. <laughs> yeah, real, real, uh, real talk though. <laughs> All right, so but, I guess the last bit of uh, of story Overwatch two ish news that I have is. Um, apparently there we are only going to get Sojourn in Overwatch 2 but he says that the reason for it is because she's very central to the story of Overwatch 2 and to release her sooner according to Jeff would have felt rushed and out of place um, yeah it's like it's why even though we've been we've been we've known about Sojourn for longer um, and according to, to Jeff they've been planning on having her in the game even way before it launched like you see her in the recall short she's her image pops up um it's, it's why we got sigma first because he's not really essential to the story of overwatch 2 he's a character we can have him play with but he's not going to have too much of an impact i think that's a positive step in the right direction at least for blizzard they are taking their lore seriously now they're not just saying like you know we'll just 
throw something up there and hope that our fans like it. Um, they're actually taking the time to say, you know what, Sojourn is going to be one of the tying pieces for Overwatch 2. And the reason why the PvE missions probably even happened in the first place is because Sojourn is there, you know, giving instruction, telling them, you know, what to do. Um, we saw a glimpse of that in the Uprising event. So hopefully that is what will eventually lead into Overwatch 2 and the whole PvE missions there. If Soldier does come out when Overwatch 2 comes out and not before, it is a good step in the direction, but it's also a long step. It's going to take a while and it's a bit risky considering how the Overwatch community and player base doesn't really think so highly of Overwatch anymore than they used to. So uh, I'd say Blizzard's taking a small risk. A risk, but a small risk in delaying the arrival of a new hero. I also think that we're going to get more heroes in between then and, you know, Overwatch 2. Um, you know, we still have Echo for sure. Uh, we don't know if Echo will play into Overwatch 1 as much. She is one of the announcers. She is the announcer in the Rio de Janeiro uh mission that we saw with lucio may tracer and reinhardt so i don't think no if they do pocket echo and they do pocket sojourn um junker queen please junker Uh, queen and 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 other you know heroes like i i would take any of the other fighters from the from junker town as well i guess um how about a, a hero from greece to fill in that elios lore or at least to add to it, because we don't have anyone from Greece yet. Yeah, we we need lore for Zenyatta, and we need a hero for Ilios. Please, those are the, the address it in Overwatch too. So many gaps for you to fill in, Blizzard. Like, you don't really need to look that hard for what we want. We're telling you. So my my last bit of news that I had was um back to what Papa Jeff has been saying. Uh, Jeff called the leaks for overwatch 2 very demoralizing um so pretty much everything that we saw come out at blizzcon we had an idea what was coming we just were waiting for it to be confirmed because leakers had pretty much told us all of it already Um, there was nothing really new that surprised us we knew about push mode we knew about the pve we knew about pretty much everything except for uh genji with clothes i think that was our, our our biggest surprise um no that, that was oh, it was Lee too? Lee okay, too. so yeah. never mind. We weren't surprised by by clothed Genji. Um but Jeff uh, described his emotions during it like if you've seen the the new Shadowlands cinematic for World of Warcraft, Jeff said, if you want to know how the game developers feel about leaks, uh picture my face where Sylvanas's was and instead of that helmet that was my cell phone. Um Yeah, so in essence, it's it's a very demoralizing thing, he said, for the dev team to have all this work that they put in that they're looking forward to revealing, and then someone spoils the party for them. Um, if you've ever had a, a TV show spoiled for you, I can imagine that's kind of how it feels for the dev team. Um, and he's, another thing is that Jeff said that um, while, while the, these leaks can elevate hype, they also kind of distort initial impressions and that reveals aren't always coherent because they're incomplete 
Um, what that's what bothers us the most is that when people are not given all the information and all the context they need to understand what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I personally rather would have not had anything leaked and just found it all out during BlizzCon. I think that would have been more exciting and more fun for me. Um, I get that not everyone feels that way. Not everyone likes surprises and wants to know as soon as they can. Uh, What are your thoughts on leakers? I feel like having, especially in our society right now, I feel like our society wants the news immediately. Like once it's said, we want it now. Um, We're kind of trained to get things like right off the bat. But there are some things that are better left as a surprise and i feel like these announcements are one of those things um especially since this is like one of the things that overwatch players always look forward to um even if you know i feel like being able to experience it all happen at once is like a magical feeling all on its own um it's kind of uh i'm gonna go and reach out and pull out my katana here uh, and say like the the people who read manga right they know how everything's gonna happen in the anime um, but they choose not to say what's gonna happen because they prefer to let everybody enjoy it when it comes out in the animated form and we we should, leakers should just take a note from from manga readers like yes you could enjoy it but keep it to yourself until it's like public knowledge yeah like uh, Iron Man dies and endgame but that that's old news now so like uh, yeah it's basically spoilers leakers like you said they should take note from like manga readers from and from the anime community or like uh you know people will watch the uh uncut version of a movie before it officially releases and then give their feedback i've been one of those people i've i watched black clansman before it went out and i said nothing about it until it came out and I'm happy I did because there's so many things in that movie that's I could have said and just like made the experience not as impressive for people who first watched it. People who, well, the Overwatch two leaks, while it did bring up a lot of hype, it's a double-edged sword. It's like yeah, like you're saying, like if you if someone leaks something that's wrong, then our expectations that we have are just not met they're dashed and whatever or and if if what we do get leaked actually happens then it's like you're not a surprise because you're expecting it where's that magic from seeing the finished project it's gone thank you leakers okay so yeah so i guess that wraps it up for the news and main interview section with our special guest v flight uh thank you for listening to this section and uh tune in to the off-season news and overwatch team news section or if you've listened to that before you listen to this thank you and uh we'll we'll see you next week see ya bye next week we discuss the final rosters for the overwatch league teams as well as the potential mercy event coming in the future thanks for listening to this week's episode like what you hear Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. That's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L. 
you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. Interested in advertising with the show? Please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.